It's Wednesday, April the 27th, and this is your morning briefing from The Economist. Coming up, Russia cuts gas to Poland and Bulgaria, and Tesla shares tumble. First, the world in brief. Gazprom, Russia's state-controlled energy giant, warned its Bulgarian and Polish counterparts that it would stop all deliveries of gas from Wednesday. It would be the first such action by Gazprom since the outbreak of war in Ukraine. Polish officials reassured citizens that domestic storage facilities were 76% full. Locked out of most dollar trades, Russia has demanded that, quote, unfriendly buyers pay for their gas in rubles. Poland has refused to do so. Almost half of Poland's gas and nine-tenths of Bulgaria's is from Russia. The UN said it had secured an agreement, quote, in principle, from Russia to involve the UN and the Red Cross in evacuating civilians from Mariupol, where at least a thousand are sheltering in the Azovstal steel plant. Previous agreements amounted to naught. At a meeting in Moscow, Vladimir Putin, Russia's president, told the UN Secretary General that he had been, quote, deceived about the situation there and that Russia was already operating humanitarian corridors. Russia criticised remarks by a junior British defence minister who said it was, quote, completely legitimate for Ukraine to disrupt supply lines in Russia and, quote, not necessarily a problem if it used weapons donated by Britain to do so. As if on cue, blasts were heard in the Russian oblast of Belgorod on Wednesday morning, near an ammunition depot. Russia had warned that, quote, London's direct provocation will immediately lead to our proportional response. Shares in Tesla, an electric car maker, dropped by 12.2% on Tuesday, a loss of $126 billion, after it was announced that Elon Musk, the company's chief executive, was buying Twitter. Investors speculate that Mr Musk will reduce his stake in Tesla to stump up the cash he has promised for the social network, $21 billion of the $44 billion buyout. Alphabet, Google's parent company, reported weaker-than-expected quarterly results, with net income of $16.4 billion, down by 8.3% year-on-year. Revenues grew by 23% from the same period last year, to $68 billion. But that marked its slowest sales growth since late 2020, when pandemic-era spending on digital advertising boomed. Microsoft beat analysts' expectations with revenues of $49.4 billion, up by 18% on the previous year, and net income of $16.7 billion. A suicide bomber blew up a minibus near Karachi University, killing three Chinese nationals and their driver in Pakistan's commercial capital. The victims were staff at the local Confucius Institute, a promoter of China's soft power. Separatists called the Baloch Liberation Army, who opposed enormous Chinese development projects in Pakistan's vast and rugged Balochistan province, claimed responsibility. Once the site of one of the world's most severe lockdowns, Singapore ended most of its COVID-19 restrictions on Tuesday. With 85% of the population fully vaccinated, 
bans on gatherings have been dropped, and face masks are now only required indoors in public settings and on public transport. Testing requirements have been scrapped for all inbound passengers, partly to reboot the city-state's moribund economy and tourism industry. And fact of the day. $174 billion. The value of India's dairy industry. 75 million dairy farmers, 200 million cows and 100 million buffaloes produce a fifth of the world's milk. And now, here's today's agenda. A Ukrainian military advisor talks to The Economist. For many outside Ukraine, President Volodymyr Zelensky is the face of the war. For many inside it, so is Alexei Arestovich. His sardonic daily military updates have calmed the nation during some of its darkest hours, and even raised a few chuckles. In 2019, Mr. Arestovich predicted a major Russian invasion of Ukraine by 2022. He was correct down to the grimmest of details. Talking to The Economist in Kyiv, he argues that the deciding phase of the war will last no more than three more weeks. The most serious battles are already underway in Donbass. Despite Russia assembling 25,000 troops for the main axis of attack, Mr. Arestovich says Ukraine can hold out. Russia's insistence on sticking to outdated doctrines against unrealistic deadlines set by a detached leader will prove its downfall, he predicts. He highlights a divergence in spirit between the Ukrainian and invading troops. Quote, We have a Cossack drive. We cackle with laughter when we shoot Russian tanks. Big Tech's Big Hangover American tech firms led the way during the pandemic equities boom. Now they are at the forefront of the subsequent slump. The share prices of Alphabet, Amazon, Apple, Meta and Microsoft have all lost ground this year after stellar performances in 2020 and 2021. On Tuesday, Alphabet reported slowing revenue growth in the first quarter of 2022, though Microsoft was able to forecast double-digit growth for next year. Wednesday is Meta's turn, before Amazon and Apple report on Thursday. Each firm is unhappy in its own way. Amazon, for instance, was better off when lockdowns forced people into e-commerce. Meta has been walloped by new ad-tracking rules. But there are a few common woes. The war in Ukraine has pulled back advertising budgets. Ostracising Russia, or being kicked out, has meant losing an entire market. China's lockdowns have impeded supply chains. And a frail global economy with rising inflation has cut into consumers' budgets and raised labour costs. Expect earnings to be bumpy. Hoping for a lift at Boeing Lately, Boeing's investors have had little to celebrate. The American aerospace giant reports quarterly earnings on Wednesday, having stumbled through losses of $4.2 billion over the last three months of 2021. 
This drop was exacerbated by one-off charges, including $3.5 billion, to cover delays to the production of its wide-bodied 787 Dreamliner after defects were noticed by regulators and deliveries were halted in May 2021. Weaknesses in certain titanium parts remain under scrutiny. More than 100 undelivered Dreamliners remain sitting in hangars. Deliveries of the narrow-bodied 737s, including the troubled MAX version, are on the rise though. And bosses are hopeful that Dreamliner deliveries will begin again later this year. But some damage has already been done. Last week, American Airlines, a big customer of Boeing's, said that the delays were forcing it to cut back on international flights. Investors, travellers and America's post-pandemic recovery need Boeing to up its game. The Challenges to India's Wheat Exports When Russia invaded Ukraine, wheat farmers in India were collateral beneficiaries. Before the war, the ex-Soviet adversaries were respectively the largest and fifth largest wheat exporters, together accounting for 29% of annual international sales. As their exports fell, India spied an opportunity. Its wheat exports are quickly rising. Between March 2021 and March 2022, India exported 7.9 million tonnes. One estimate suggests volumes could treble this year. And they are reaching new markets. On Friday, a first ever shipment of Indian wheat will be sent to Egypt. But it may not be all smooth sailing. Traders are worried that the quality of Indian wheat might not meet more stringent standards abroad. And World Trade Organization rules prevent the sale of wheat bought at fixed prices, of which India has 19 million tonnes. But the biggest hurdle may be nature. The hottest March in 122 years shriveled the harvest by at least 10% in several states. With yields down and exports up, ensuring enough supply for Indians themselves is critical. Boxing for Freedom in The Survivor Harry Haft relied on his knuckles. A muddy slick at Auschwitz served as a ring. His rivals were other prisoners, destitute Jews set against one another by their Nazi captors. Losing a fight meant losing your life. Mr Haft, who was born in Poland, was a teenager when he arrived at the camp. When he escaped, during a, quote, death march towards the end of the war, he was a survivor of the Holocaust. He moved to America and continued to box, all the while searching for his teenage love. He even fought Rocky Marciano, the heavyweight boxing legend. This extraordinary tale is the subject of The Survivor, released on Wednesday on HBO Max. Directed by Barry Levinson, the biopic is based on a book by Haft's son, Alan. Its star, Ben Foster, shed 28 kilograms to play Harry. As Jewish people around the world mark Holocaust Remembrance Day, a film about a man who defied such hulking odds makes timely, powerful viewing. 
Daily Quiz Our baristas will serve you a new question each day. On Friday, your challenge is to give all five answers and tell us the connecting theme. Email your responses and include mention of your home city and country by 5pm BST on Friday to quizespresso at economist.com. We'll pick randomly from those with the right answers and crown one winner per continent on Saturday. Wednesday. Which Channel Island bans cars and has a parliament called the Chief Please? Tuesday. What is the capital of the state of North Dakota? Finally, here's the quote of the day from Mary Wollstonecraft, who was born on this day in 1759. Men who are inferior to their fellow men are always most anxious to establish their superiority over women. That's it from the Economist Morning Briefing, available every weekday and on Saturdays. You can hear interviews and analysis from our journalists, including our current affairs podcast, The Intelligence, by searching for The Economist on your podcast app, or by asking your smart speaker to play the latest Economist podcast. And as a subscriber, you have access to each week's full edition in audio. Just download The Economist app on your mobile device to start listening. 